0: There are as many ideas about who Jesus was as there are people on earth. Fortunately for us, the Gospel of John tells us, in his own words, who Jesus said he was. Jesus said he was the bread of life, the light of the world, the door, the good shepherd, the resurrection and the life, the way, the truth and the life, and the true vine. Jesus says, Good morning. On any given Friday night, the Morgans may go to my mother-in-law's house, depending on whether we have something else planned. And we'll go and we'll bring our supper. Sometimes we bring something from home and sometimes we go to a restaurant. My boys know that if they don't bring something, grandma always has pizza rolls and Pringles. They always look forward to that. They've had that most of their life when they go to grandma's house. And sometimes we have other family members that come by. Like Friday night, is everyone knows, hey, go to Grandma's house if you're not doing anything else. And one of the best parts is the conversation that takes place over the table. And sometimes we finish the meal pretty quickly, and, and we just sit there, and we talk. And we talk about life, about current events and what's going on. And, and it's just a sweet, sweet time. I was thinking about our go-getters uh, that's a ministry that we have for our 55 plus and once a month we go and we go to a restaurant And we eat but the best part is the conversations that are taking place over the meal and after the meal And I was just thinking many times we finish the meal and people say and they just talk and they talk and they talk And the reason why is because with with meals it's associated with friendship Even after we're finished with the food, we just end up having these after-dinner conversations that are powerful. That's where friendship is often formed, in the midst of of a meal or after a meal. Well, today we're looking at John chapter 15, and we're actually going to see an after-dinner conversation. These after-dinner conversations are very important. We're concluding our series called, I Am Jesus in His Own Words. We've been looking at the seven I Am statements in John, and today we see that John says, I am the vine." and to really understand john chapter 15 i think we have to go back to john chapter 13. well we're going to see that that jesus is with his disciples in jerusalem it's thursday night before jesus is going to be crucified they're having dinner together and everything that we read after verse 4 in chapter 13 is actually an after dinner conversation judas leaves and jesus has this this intimate conversation with his disciples where the disciples are asking questions. And and last week, I told you that this is really like a farewell address. It's a time that Jesus is trying to give comfort to his disciples, encouragement to them. So keep that in mind as we read chapter 15. Verse one, it says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. And what stuck out to me is that word "true." true. I am the true grapevine. Well, what is Jesus talking about when he says he's the true grapevine? If he's the true version, if he's the true grapevine, if he's the true version of something, that means there has to be an old version, a false version, a a fake version of something. So what is Jesus saying here? Well, the word vine is often used as a metaphor for God's people. If you look in Ezekiel, if you look in Jeremiah and uh, Isaiah, you'll often see this word vine. It's used for the Israelites, God's people. Isaiah 80, verse 8, and you'll see uh, basically Psalm 80 is is built around this metaphor of the vine. But verse 8 says, you brought us from Egypt like a grapevine. You drove away the pagan nations and transplanted us into your land. And so we see that God's people, the Israelites, that God rescued them, that he helped them, that he made it as easy uh, as possible to produce fruit. But we're going to see that there's a problem. If you go back to Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, it says, Now I'll sing for the one I love, a song about his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a rich and fertile hill. He plowed the land, and he cleared the stones, and he planted it with the best vines. In the middle, he built a watchtower and carved a winepress in the nearby rocks. And then he waited for the harvest of sweet grapes. But then notice this word, but. But the grapes that grew were bitter. Skip down to verse 4, it says, What more could I have done in my vineyard that I have not already done? When I expected sweet grapes, why did my vineyard give me bitter grapes? We will see this cycle with God's people in the Old Testament. They often get in trouble. They get conquered, and then God rescues them. And for a time, they do really well. They keep their eyes focused on Him, and then they turn their back on Him. They get in trouble, they get conquered, and then God rescues them again. And we see this cycle over and over again. And I feel like God is like that parent that has watched his child misbehave over and over, and He's gotten them out of a jam. Some of us as parents, we felt the same way. Like you help, and you help, and you encourage, you give them tools, and then you just throw up your arms, and you're like, what else am I supposed to do? Well, what God does is he does Jesus. He says, you know what? I'll, I'll bring Jesus into the world. I'll plant myself in the world. I'll be the true vine. And so Jesus says, my father is the gardener. In verse 2, he says, he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that we can pro- that we will produce even more. Verse 3. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. I just want you to notice how many times you'll see the word remain there. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. You cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Part of this passage makes us feel a little uncomfortable. We hear the word pruning and we hear pain, or at least I hear pain. I'm not an expert in gardening or landscaping, but my wife, she's pretty good at it. And I've learned from her that, it, that pruning is really healthy for our plants. It actually helps our plants become more beautiful in the future. And so when we hear pruning, I don't think it's a bad thing. And actually in our text it says, man, when you're pruned, it's actually going to help you become more fruitful. And so it's actually good news. As we read this passage, I think we also have to remember that when Jesus said, Jesus said back in chapter 14, let not your hearts be troubled. I don't think he's warning his disciples here. I think he's actually trying to encourage them. If you look in verse 11 of of, uh, John chapter 15, he's telling them all these things so that they can be filled with joy. They can be encouraged and filled with joy because they've actually already been pruned. They've already been cleaned and they've already been purified. And guess what? They're ready to produce fruit. Let's continue to read. Verse 5, it says, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I am them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Makes it very clear. You have to be connected to the vine to produce fruit. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain, there's our word remain, in me, my words remain in you. You may ask for anything you want and and it will be granted. And when you produce much fruit, you are my disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love, and you obey my, when you obey my commands, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. So we see that Jesus is the vine, and we are the branches. And as branches, we should produce fruit. But how do we produce fruit? By being connected to the vine. By being connected to the vine. The vine gives us the nutrients so that we can produce fruit. Well, we know that to be true, that when, if we want to produce spiritual fruit, we need to be connected to Jesus. One of my college classmates, Aaron Brockett, said this, Most of the world follows this kind of line of thinking. Production first, connection second. Let me say that again. Production first, connection second. You produce, and, and then I'll see if I want to be connected to you. You do something that's desirable, and I'll make a decision if I want to connect with you or not. If you produce, then, then yes, I may want to be friends with you. I, I may even show love to you. It's what I call transactional love. Love is something to be earned. It, it might look like this. I'll give you this gift, but if you do something that I don't approve of, I'm going to take it away. Transactional love keeps score. I do this, and I, if I do this for you, you better do this for me, and if you don't, then I'm going to withhold my love. That's the culture that we, we live in. Everything's to be earned. Production first, and then we'll decide if we want to connect with you. But Jesus flips this completely on his head. He says, connection first, production second. Connection first, production second. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. All you have to do is come to me. You're accepted, you're wanted. I love you for who you are, not for what you do. See, love is not a transaction, it's a gift. And when you're connected to the vine, you realize that transactional love is not love at all. Jesus shows us unconditional love. And if Jesus is showing us unconditional love, then that means as as long as we're connected to the vine, we should show unconditional love to others. When we accept God's love, guess what? We can't help but but produce fruit. And, And what does that fruit look like? Well, I could say Galatians 5, the fruits of the Spirit, but I also think that, Jesus, that that we see in this passage that there's a concentration on producing love. If, if you look in this uh, passage, you will see it over and over. Remain in my love. Stay in my love. This is what we can expect when we're connected to the vine, is that we should be loving people, a sincere love, not a fake love. It's powerful. It's a life-giving love. We see Jesus modeled it for us. When we can't love on our own, we need to be connected to the vine. And in our culture, we idolize love. We write movies and stories about love. We talk a lot about love, but we don't love a lot. Instead of loving people, we tend to lash out. We tend to be impatient with people. We tend to demand our own way. We tend to refuse to forgive. I think about 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient, love is kind. In our culture, that's pretty foreign. Sometimes in our life, it's pretty foreign. And, and I will tell you this, sometimes it's hard to love people. Sometimes it's hard to love our, our family members. Sometimes it's hard to love our spouse. Sometimes it's hard to love our neighbors and our coworkers. And you say, well, man, this is really hard. How can I do this? The only way that I know how to do it is to be connected to the vine because I can't do it on my, on my own strength. I want you to kind of think about it this way. Are you a pitcher or a faucet? Are you a pitcher or a faucet? When we do our things on our own power, we're like a pitcher. I'm not much of a baseball player, but if you watch a pitcher, man, they can throw some fast pitches at the beginning of the game. But as time goes on, their arm tends to wear out, and the pitches sometimes just aren't as great. They run out of their stuff because they're doing it on their own power. And that leaves them empty and eventually they're going to get replaced on the mount sometimes i think we try to do the same thing we keep on trying to love people on our own strength and we do well for a while but eventually we just run out of patience we run out of love on the other hand there's the faucet and the faucet is continually connected to the source of water it doesn't run dry It can deliver water as long as you need because it's continuously and directly connected to the source of power. So when I'm connected to Jesus, I can't help but love. I can tell you in my life, when I have a hard time loving people, sometimes my relationship with Jesus is off track. And it's a reminder that I need to make sure that my connection with the vine is in place. So can I encourage you to be a faucet Stay connected to the vine and let God walk or let God connect and do amazing things through you. I want to leave you with just a few challenges. Identify some ways that you can stay connected to God. Some of you, you might be a little off track right now. And I want you to think about some ways that you can stay connected to God. Maybe that's prayer. Maybe that's worship. Maybe that's studying God's word. Look for ways that help you stay connected to God. I want you to engage in an after dinner conversation this week about transactional love versus unconditional love. What does that look like? And then thirdly, love someone without any strings attached.